0: And this morning we start a brand new series on the word legacy, the thought around legacy, looking at some of the heroes of our faith um, in the Old Testament, New Testament, and even some current uh, heroes, I suppose, in our, in our lives today. Men and women who lived a life of faith left a legacy for the generations, including ourselves, to follow. We, we are part of generations that have sown into our lives. Now, that could be a good legacy. That could be a not-so-good legacy, but I would hope that uh, our hope and our desire is that we could learn from those that have gone before us that we would be able to leave a legacy. I know I want to see my children and my children's children that would honor God and see change take place in the life that they live. As we do this uh, character study, I suppose, uh, you'll notice that it's not just a highlights reel. Not an Instagram feed where it's only the highlights and the good things, but th- these flaws, these failures. And I love the fact That God is not an insecure God. God is very secure in who he is. He doesn't need to put forward all the highlights of his people. He can put the failures. He can put the faltering steps. He can put all the mistakes in there, and it still shows that he will get all the glory, and I love that, that we don't have to be perfect, that when we come to Christ, it doesn't mean that we won't make another mistake, And we'll read through here and we will see that that even these people that were described as these men and women of faith still struggled. Is it okay that we still struggle in our faith? We still struggle in our relationship with God. We don't always have it together. And I'm convinced that in our own history, our nation, we need to read. We need to learn. We need to grow. We need to grow in our understanding, realizing that there were great things that happened in the gospel came. If we can learn, if we can grow, if we can develop our relationship, we will see a a change and a shift in our own nation, ourselves. History is important because it teaches us that if we're prepared to learn and grow, then we don't have to make the same mistakes that we've done in the past. There's a lecture I do in our Bible college called Failing Forward, Seven Dumb Things I Did and What I Learned From Them. It's about 10 or 12 now since I first wrote the first one, but uh, it's growing in number, but the lessons, hopefully, I don't go back and repeat those same ones. But the hope of the series is that, that we would leave a legacy for our future, recognizing that God is with us in our faith steps and in our faltering steps, recognizing that even in our brokenness, God can still work a miracle. Even in our weakness, God will prove his strength that in our failures, God just simply confirms his faithfulness. Through the series, we'll see the evidence of God's amazing grace woven through scriptures, stories of a God who kept coming after his people, didn't stop chasing after his His ones that that turned away from him and walked away from him. He kept coming back and saying, come back to me, my kids, like a child that disobeys and runs off, and mom and dad come back and say, come. Come. I love you. I love you. Even with that mistake, even with that failure, I still love you. This is the God that we see towards the cross at Calvary, where Jesus died on the cross. Where we can identify with him in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection, and even ascension into heaven. We can identify with a God that has left a legacy for us to receive. So this morning, I want to Uh, learn from the legacy of Abraham, from the book of Genesis, described as a father of the faith, father of many nations. Abraham received a promise from God, and he spent his lifetime walking out the fulfillment of that promise. But with his faith steps, he also took faltering steps. While he trusted God, he, he, he also struggled at times to trust God. While he believed that God would come through with his promise, there were times where clearly by his actions he didn't. So let's pick up the story as we see not Abraham, but Abram. Abram has a name change, and we'll get to that a little bit later. But we, we see Abraham or Abram introduced into the biblical narrative. Chapter eleven ends with a genealogy. God is all about the genealogy. The, 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 the generations, the genealogy that will follow on from our lives, with the generations that will follow on from us. But chapter 11 ends with a genealogy stretching from Shem, Noah's son, to Terah, Abram's dad. Now the chapter closes as Terah makes a decision to move his family. His son, Abraham, The text says that they moved towards the land of Canaan. They were heading there, but they stopped in a place called Haran. I find it amazing that the legacy that Abraham was to inherit was also in the heart of his father. His father was heading there. We don't know quite why he didn't get there. We don't know why he didn't take those final steps and, and push through to get to the land of Canaan. But for whatever reason, that legacy was given already, that, that inheritance was promised. And then God appears to Abram. Genesis 12, 1-4, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. 75 years old. You thinking you're too old for the promises and the plans of God? I don't think so. (laughs) Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word that's given to us, uh, to teach us, to show us what grace looks like. That you have plans and promises for each of us. That we would uh, learn to trust you. That we would walk with you. We would listen to your voice, learn to hear your voice. So that we could leave a legacy for the generations that would follow us. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Any parents in the house? Any parents ever made, and maybe some of you, you've got to go back a few years to remember this. Any parents ever make a promise you didn't really intend to make, but it was kind of a promise of necessity? I'm thinking a supermarket, five kids making unreasonable demands, and 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 you're you're whispering in your loudest authoritative whisper, you know, to to your children, if you don't, your dad will, or you know, I don't know what he'll do, but it's going to be bad and it's going to be horrible. Or if, if you don't embarrass me, because, I mean, right now the whole supermarket has stopped to watch the drama unfold. Anyone ever been in that situation? Or enjoyed another family going, I'm so glad that's not mine, you know, as the, the drama unfolds. Or that promise, if you don't embarrass me in front of the whole world right now, I will give you ice cream. Or whatever it is. This chocolate bar, yes, this will do. And, and, the, and the response from the kids are like, really? It's like, I promise. I promise. Now, you didn't start the day thinking that promise was going to be made, but it was kind of a promise of necessity that you put out there because you just had to solve a momentary problem. And it's almost like the promise, I promise, will um, give it authority, so to speak. I don't know where you find yourself in your relationship with God. I don't know what the promises of God look like for you. Maybe you've got promises that God has spoken over your life. Maybe you think even now of those promises that maybe were spoken over you as a young child. Maybe you're here today and you say, I have no promises from God. Maybe you're starting a journey with him and you wonder whether God has promises for you. What I can tell you is that there are promises for every single one of us. God knew you before you were born, before you even conceived in your mother's womb. God knows you; He's got a plan, and a plan. He will see fulfilled—not a broken promise of a human parent. A promise that, out of necessity, but a, a promise out of purpose. God is wanting to speak to those promises in your life today. When we look at Abraham's life, we see his journey, his woman who had a a faith in God, and as a result of that, the promises that they encountered through through visions and and, and real encounters with God, those promises were awakened. But all these promises came at different times and in different seasons in these people's world. So here's some things we can learn from Abraham's legacy as we also wait for our promises from God. Is there anyone here waiting for a promise from God? The promise, God's spoken to you and there's something in you that says that hasn't been fulfilled yet. I was talking with someone just before the service. There's a promise waiting for them. That promise is coming. It's coming at the right time. First thought this morning is God's promises require a step of faith from us. And you can follow with your notes on the app or uh, in your notebook, whatever you want to do. Genesis 12 verse 1, it says, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. So God speaks to Abram. And before he gives him the promises, he asks him to take some steps. Leave the place that's comfortable. Leave the place that makes sense to you right now. God says, I want you to leave that place. Second thing he says is, leave your family. It could be some teenagers going, oh, right. No, not, not yet. Just the third thing, he says, move to a new place, a place you haven't been before. See, there are steps that God was asking of Abram to take before the promise would be fulfilled. See, when we make a decision to follow God, we have got to be certain that, that life won't ever be the same again. We're not adding God to another series of gods or trinkets. God is central. God, God is the God of the universe, we come into his will. We don't add his, his thoughts onto ours. We change who we become. And we begin following a God who understands everything about us. And he knows far greater than we do what should happen in our own lives. As we study the Old Testament, we see that Jesus fulfills the teaching in the, in the, from the Old Testament and the New. He brings the same principles come through from the Old to the New. And in fact, Jesus he speaks to his own followers similar words to Abraham. He says in Luke fourteen twenty six, "If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else: your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters." Now, that sounds harsh to me. That doesn't sound like a, a loving God. <laughs> Why was Jesus so insistent that we were to uh, hate our own family? But in Genesis, we we see that Abram, he made a promise to look after his lot, his his nephew Lot. He made a promise uh, to to family, to walk, and and his his desire was to walk out that promise with his family. But the problem was Lot didn't want to follow God in the same way Abram did. And so Lot chose another path, a path that led him down to a place of destruction. Found himself in Sodom and Gomorrah. Found him in this place where where it's far from God's will and plan. And Abram had to, he was distracted going after Lot. Now we are to go and seek and save the lost. You know, we're, we're supposed to go out and we've got to find those that are lost and bring them to a loving father. But we also have to fulfill the promises of God. We have to walk out the steps that he asks us to walk out. And sometimes that means that we have to let go of some things that we find comfortable or some things that we are attached to. Things are there for us to heed. What things or what people must we let go? Friendships that no, no longer can be friendships anymore because we want to fulfill and follow the promise of God. In each of these thoughts this morning, I've, 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 I've put a prayer that maybe in your own time with God this week. You spend your time with God. Would you pray these prayers? Would you invite, would you make these prayers that say, God, I want to hear your voice. I want to listen to you as you speak to me. And this is my prayer when we consider the steps of faith that we might need to take. God, what is my faith step today? What is the faith step you're asking of me? Which relationships, which positions, which, which possessions are stopping me from following you and your promises? If we're honest with God and we pray that prayer, we'll hear him speak to us about what we must do. The question is, will we take those faith steps, trusting that God knows better even than we do? We need to ask God to reveal our next step. And for some of us, it might be we need to forgive someone. There's an offense that we're holding towards somebody else, and God's saying, will you forgive? Will you release? Will you let go? For somebody else, it might be that uh, it's, it's time to apply for that job. You know, to take that step of faith and do something you haven't done before. It's like, I've always wanted to do this, but will I actually take that step? For some, it might even be life on their own, trying to, trying to get through the battle on their own. You know, on Thursday, we, uh, we had our, our first night of the term of a uh, small group, a group of guys getting together, studying the Bible together, praying for one another. I came out feeling stronger. I came out of that time going, I, I can bust, somebody going to pray for me. I know they'll walk in the journey with me. And when we do life together, we find strength together. We find accountability. We find somebody that will challenge us and push us and stretch us, and we need that in our lives. So God requires us to take a step of faith. But second thing is God keeps his promises, even if it's not in our timing. I think I could get a really big amen on a lot, of, a lot of these ones. God's got promises for us, but he doesn't reveal the timing. Yeah. We understand that promises are meant to be kept. We make vows to our spouse, promises to our friends and family, and yet sadly, we're also incapable of following through with them all the time. We don't follow through with the promises that we make. In Scripture, there are a number of times where we read of God meeting with people, encountering people through a vision, a voice, a face-to-face encounter with an angel, and God gives them a promise. The difference between God's promises and my promises is God always keeps his promises. As much as I try to, I can be assured of the fact that God will follow through with his promises. The problem is, well, my problem that I have sometimes is that God's time frame doesn't fit in with my time frame with the promise. You know, we we thought, great, this would be a great time to have children. So now, God, let's have kids. Five was gonna happen. The promise was there, but it didn't come in the shape or form of what we expected, and certainly not the time frame. You know, God promised Abram a legacy. That's what he said, Genesis fifteen, four. This is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. But sadly, even in in, in this, Abram's faith wavered because he still didn't have children. God made this promise at 75, I'm going to make you a father of nations. And Abraham says, "A little problem, God, I don't have any children. Hard to be the father of many nations if I don't have anyone to pass this on to. Not long after that promise, Abram came up with a better plan than God. Anyone ever tried one of those ones? God, I I know you promised this thing, but I'm not sure if you'd worked out all the details. I've got this sorted. So he takes Hagar, his wife's maidservant, and says, I'm going to sleep clearly. It's not with you, Sarai. Anyone else see that going really badly? That was never going to work out. Abraham, that was never going to be a good idea. And yet, in our frustration, often we we try and force God's hand, saying, "God, I don't know if you, I don't know if you've really worked this one out. Let me give you a hand. You need a hand with your plan. No, He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't need a hand with the plan. He just wants us to walk in obedience and trust. Because if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And we can walk with this confidence of the sovereignty of God." As we talked about uh, just a few weeks ago, God, I know you can, I know you will, and even if you don't, my faith is rock solid. I will trust in you no matter what. Sadly, our human experience often influences how we see God. When we consider our relationship with our earth, earthly father, we then hear the, the, the word heavenly father, and we think that our heavenly father will respond as our earthly father might. But that's not always And that's very seldom actually what the outcome is. Our heavenly father has a greater love, a greater grace, a greater compassion than anything we could be as earthly fathers. What I love about the grace of God is that when we're weak, when our faith is slipping, when fear creeps in, God reminds us again of his promise. And we see this again with Abram. As his faith was slipping, God comes back again and he says, here's my promise, Abraham. Let me remind you again. See, trials or delays are not because God hates you, He's not sitting up there going, oh, let me play another trick on Mike. You know, I'm going to prank him one more time. He's doing it because there's a trial that, that will bring about a character. I love him. Peter, he says, 1 Peter 7, one 7, These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You know, Jesus came. To fulfill the promise of a savior, a redeemer, one who would set the nation of Israel free. For 400 years, the people had been waiting for this promise. The Messiah is coming. They would have said in every generation. And then the next generation, the Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. 400 years, it appeared that God was silent. But he wasn't silent because the word was there, they had the scriptures. They had the law. They had it there. And God was speaking to hearts. But then at just the right time, God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He who was without sin became sin for the righteousness of God. That is why for us. Are you waiting for a promise? Is God a little bit slow in coming through with the promise? Here's a prayer you can pray this week. God, what are you wanting to develop in me while I'm waiting for you? In me while I'm waiting for the fulfillment of your promise. As the team come this morning, my last thought is that God's promises always require change in us. When we encounter God, we are never, ever, ever the same again. Anytime God makes a promise and we walk out that promise or we walk towards that promise, there is a change that takes place within us, within our character, within our spirit, within our nature. God changes us. Jacob wrestled with God. Jacob thought he knew what it was all about. He wrestles with God. He says, don't, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And God touches his hip. It's probably more than a touch, I think. Because <laughs> Jacob never walked the same again. I've heard it say, never trust a man without a limp. I like that. If you're not walking with a little bit of a limp. It's a great book if you haven't read it. It's a great book, Leading with a Limp. God changes us. Takes our pride. Allows a little humility to come into our lives and we, we learn to trust Him. Simon. Oh, he had it all together. Simon knew what was going on. And Jesus had an encounter with him and said, Simon, I'm going to call you Peter now. I'm going to change the face of your ministry and your, your character. You're, you're going to be the same firebrand, Peter. You're going to go and change the world. But there's going to be something that shifts and changes. As you read through the book of uh, 1 and 2 Peter, you'll see a very different person. Genesis 15:1 15, 1 to 6. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I'll make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. At this, Abram fell face down on the ground. Then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you'll be called Abraham for you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus was was an inheritance, a legacy that was left from Abraham's life. When we walk in faithfulness with, with God, when we trust His promise, when we realize that we don't have it all together, we can't even work out the timing, but God is with us and He's... He gave us that promise of Emmanuel, God with us. Abram again questions God, how can I be sure? How can I be sure you're gonna follow through with this promise? And in this moment, God makes a covenant. He makes a covenant. Blood is shed and God says, I make a covenant with you. God makes a covenant with each of us. He did it 2000 years ago. When he says, I promise sin and death will hold you no longer. That you won't need to go with an animal sacrifice. There is a human sacrifice and his name is Jesus. He will die on the cross for every sin, past, present, and future. That is the covenant God made with us through his son, Jesus. That covenant, that promise is for you today. You might be here today saying, well, I'm a bad person. I've done bad things. I'm not what God would want. Oh, you're exactly what God wants. You're exactly who God sent His Son Jesus to die for because I'm that person. And every person who's made that decision was that person. That covenant that God made with us, Jesus' blood in exchange for our sins. Every time we take communion, in our small groups, as our families. We meet on an 8.15 on a Sunday morning. We have communion together. Come and join us as we pray for our service. It's a time of communion where we remember what Jesus did for us. It's a reminder of His promise that we would never be without Him. This morning, I don't know where you are in your relationship with God, but can I tell you there is a promise. Repent, turn from your old way of living and ask God to forgive you you believe in faith that Jesus died on the cross and He was raised to life through the power of God, the Bible says you will receive a gift called salvation. That gift is on offer for every person, but the choice is up to me. The choice is up to you. We can choose this gift of life. We can choose to continue to walk the walk we've been walking. I'm going to pray a prayer in just a moment. I invite you to pray that as well, but I want to encourage you with a verse. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. God doesn't give us an upgrade. He doesn't give us a better version. He doesn't give us a 2.0. He gives us a new life, new life in Christ, a new creation. That is what God offers us when we give our life fully over to Him. It's total surrender, but it's a surrender that brings the will and the purpose of God into our lives. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, would you pray this prayer with me? Maybe for the very first time, or maybe you're saying, God, I I know I need to come back to the promises that you have on my life. Would you pray this with me? God, thank you for loving me. Thank you, Jesus, for taking my sin and dying on the cross in my place. My sin. And accept a new life in you. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If you prayed that prayer, maybe for the first time. Or maybe this is a, a recommitment to God. We want to help you take your next step. And you can let us know who you are just simply by doing something brave. And just, just in a few moments. Would you lift your hand and would you say, yes, I prayed that prayer. I believed it. I meant it. I want to give my life completely to God. And I pray that prayer as my commitment to God. With no one looking around, every head bowed, I closed. One, God loves you. Two, He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. Three, if you pray that prayer, raise it up right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Down the middle, they're amazing. Thank you over the side there, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, church. Come on, let's celebrate lives being turned around, lives coming to Christ. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.